0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts, and we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY, that's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. The situation in Israel was degraded, and even the priesthood was waning. But Jehovah reacted as he often reacted to the failures of Israel by raising up one person who would be according to his own heart. The young boy Samuel, son of Elkanah and Hannah, had already been consecrated to the Lord. But the child's upbringing also had a deep impact upon him. For He witnessed the corruption of the sons of Eli firsthand, and he watched as the priest Eli failed to rule over his two evil sons, and even as they usurped the Ark of the Covenant and allowed it to be taken captive by Israel's enemies. As a result, the glory of Jehovah departed from the tabernacle and from Israel. But what he had witnessed left a deep impression upon Samuel, and was used by Jehovah to produce in him one who faithfully restored the testimony to Israel, and whom the Lord ultimately used to turn the age. Bob Danker has joined us for our fifth program of this life study of 1 Samuel. Good to have you, Bob.
1: It's good to be here, Chris. This book of 1 Samuel is a very crucial book in the Old Testament because Samuel was raised up by God at the end of the period of the judges. Right. And that was a period of about 300 years in which we see the degradation and corruption of the nation of Israel after they had entered into the good land and had taken possession of it. They forsook God. They worshipped idols. And as a result, God came in to discipline them by using the surrounding nations to judge them. Ah. And then they would cry out to God and they would return back to God, and God raised up a judge who would deliver them from their enemies. This happened in a cycle seven times in the book of Judges. But overall, the condition of Israel was quite poor, and God needed a way to change
0: the age. You know, we've had so many now of these uh, programs in the Old Testament books where we see the condition of Israel per se was degraded, fallen very low. But here's a situation where even the priesthood had degraded. And as Witness Lee says time and again in this life study, it was waning. It was thoroughly on the decline. And to set the stage a little bit, of course, we had the story of how Samuel was raised up by the Lord, even in Hannah's womb, and Jehovah had arranged the circumstances for her to become desperate, and she offered him to the Lord. But now we see that he has been offered to Eli, who was the priest, and was in a sense being raised under the custody of Eli in the tabernacle. And so he sees as a young boy firsthand just how poor the situation had become. And primarily that was evidenced by these two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, who really were rascals of the worst order. We'll see that they uh, even despised the offerings to Jehovah and were not under any kind of reigning by the priest, Eli should have taken a strong hand to correct such boys. And so Samuel, in a sense, was the real son in the proper way to become a kind of proper priest. But this degradation we'll see today, significant in how the Lord used it in his constituting the young boy Samuel to become ultimately the one that would restore a kind of proper testimony. It's a very inspiring story, isn't it? I think especially for young people. Absolutely.
1: We all need to be inspired by this story of Samuel so that we too could
0: become today's Samuels. Let's look at a couple of verses, Bob, and then we'll join Witness Lee with our first portion today. In chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, I've just excerpted here some phrases to kind of set the stage. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know Jehovah nor did they regard the priests' rightful due with the people. And the sin of the young men was very great before Jehovah, for the men despised the offering of Jehovah. Talk about that for just a minute. I've left out a lot of the verses because they're quite lengthy, but in what way were they despising the offerings? Well, according to the book of Numbers,
1: the priests were given a portion of the offerings of the people for their own enjoyment to be their own food and their supply. But in the offering that was being done by Hophni and Phinehas, they did not observe the proper regulations that God had set forth in his law concerning the priest's portion. Instead, they sent their attendant to stick a three-pronged hook into the flesh pots when the flesh was still boiling, the flesh of the offerings, and they pulled out more than the priests were due and this was an act of despising of the offerings of God. They were robbing God of yeah, his portion that's and right. taking something for themselves.
0: Well, a little later on in chapter 2, the Lord then addresses Eli on this point. Why then do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering and honor your sons more than me by making yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? So the Lord was... Uh, disgusted, to say the least, with the priest, Eli, certainly with his sons, and the indication is of a situation that had fallen very, very low. All right, let's join Witness Lee with the first portion today.
2: In the history concerning Samuel, we see his relationship with the waning Aaronic priesthood. He was there, growing under the custody of the old Eli the last priest of the winning Aaronic priesthood. While he was there learning, he observed the two sons of Eli Dad. that despised the offerings of Jehovah. This is terrible. We should guard the offerings of Jehovah. We should not despise the two sons by their force robbed people of their offerings to Jehovah. This is terrible. I believe when Samuel saw these things, he would have a deep impression, as a kind warning, to his future. And God firstly told Samuel about the pitiful, miserable, result of Eli's house. God's purpose was to impress this young priestly boy with such a result that he could never forget. You see, God's wisdom.
0: Bob, I was very impressed with his last word here. God's purpose was to impress this young priestly boy. And it reminded me of a verse that we all are familiar with in the New Testament, Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And frequently that verse is used to uh, deal directly with something we may be suffering. But I think this is a good application of this verse, isn't it? It is. Samuel was growing up under Eli's
1: custody, as you said earlier. In a sense, he was being trained by Eli to be a priest. This was positive. Yeah. But on the negative side, the environment in which Samuel was growing up was quite poor. Every day, Samuel, no doubt, was observing the conduct of Eli's two sons as they were despising God's offerings and even they were committing immoral acts in the priesthood. The situation was very, very poor. And uh, God allowed him to be in that kind of environment. For what purpose? So that Samuel would observe and would be deeply impressed with the situation of degradation that surrounded him and the consequences of that degradation, which was the destruction of Eli's entire house, the death of Eli and the death of his two sons, and ultimately the capturing of the ark of God. So Samuel witnessed all these things. He himself was not a participant in the negative situation, but he saw it, and God sovereignly allowed him to see it so that he would be deeply impressed and would be warned so that he would not take the same way that Eli and his sons had
0: taken. So here's the situation, a negative, dark situation that God used to turn it out to good for his purpose. Exactly. Samuel was one who loved the Lord and loved his purpose. Right. Therefore, these negative things created a kind of an opposite reaction in Samuel to restore and to uplift and to return Israel and the testimony back to Jehovah and what it properly should have been. This is striking because many times we may find ourselves in what appears to be a very negative, dark situation, But if our heart is really aligned, and we'll talk about the heart of Samuel today and in coming messages, if our heart is really aligned with the Lord, even those things can be used by the Lord to do something positive for his purpose.
1: That's right, Chris. This is a very good example of this. We should never participate in the negative things around us. Rather, we should be warned by them, as Samuel was, so that we could be delivered from all those negative things and be
0: faithful to God. All right, you mentioned the capturing of the ark. We're going to turn to that in the next two sections today. Of course, the ark properly should be in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. And the ark uh, really represented the presence of God in the tabernacle, in his house and among his people. And in history, the ark had always been used to lead the way when God was moving. And oftentimes that meant God was moving against enemies of Israel. And when the ark was properly in the lead... And they were moving according to God's move. They always prevailed. Now we find a circumstance in this degraded situation where Israel is under attack by the Philistines and uh, they're being prevailed upon. And so they get the idea, ah, let's get the ark. Whenever the ark is there, we prevail. Uh, And a kind of a twisting of their history and their understanding. And the result was not at all what they had hoped for because not only did they not prevail in battle, but even the ark was captured by the enemy army, the Philistines. So let's look at these verses in chapter 4. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. And the man of Benjamin ran from the array and came to Shiloh on the same day with all his clothes torn and earth upon his head. And when he came, there was Eli, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And the man said to Eli, Israel fled before the Philistines, and there was a great slaughter among the people, and even your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. And when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell from off his seat backward by the side of the gate, and he broke his neck and died. What a terrible, poor, tragic end to what should be a glorious priest. It's really, really something. Very, very, very sad, Chris. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: Israel was so foolish in their degradation because they didn't trust in God, but they trust in the systems ordained by God. They should make a thorough repentance and return to God from their idols. Instead of this, They exercised their kind of superstition to trust in the ark. Of course, in the past, history told them quite often that the ark of God moved always. There was a victory. Psalm 68 speaks clearly about such a marvelous doing of the ark of God in the battles which Israel was engaged in. But this time, their situation was not right. They were in a kind of degradation. So they offended God to the uttermost. Actually, God left them. The ark, what is the ark? It's just a piece of wood covered by gold. What wood and gold could do for you Israel? But they were superstitious. They trust in the ark. So eventually the ark was captured. The Bible says these two sons of Eli, Hathnai and Phinehas, followed the ark. So God was unhappy to the uttermost. Instead the ark... Saving them, the ark was captured, and uh, the two priests killed. Then the news came to Eli that the ark was captured. When he heard this, he fell off from his seat, backward, and he broke his neck, and he died of that. Israel was left like a poor orphan in a very miserable situation. You have to know, Samuel was there. Saw these things, heard these things. He observed all these tragedies. And these were a kind of lesson to him. Warning him, reminding him, all the way in his future service to God.
0: Bob, we can talk about Samuel some more and the depth of this lesson he was learning and witnessing all of these tragedies. But at least touch for a moment, if you would, this mistaken or misplaced trust of Israel in the ark as opposed to in Jehovah himself and the result. Because this has a lot of application, I think, to even our situation today sometimes.
1: That's right, Chris. Actually, God commanded that Moses would make the Ark and put it in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. So the Ark itself was really something of God and it typifies Christ as the embodiment of God and as God's presence among his people. And as Witness Lee pointed out, in the history of Israel, the Ark had often taken the lead in fighting battles for Israel in which they were victorious. Uh But in this particular case, Israel's condition in relation to God was very, very degraded. They did not care for God himself. They didn't trust God himself, and they didn't come under the headship or the leadership of God himself. They didn't turn their heart to the Lord. They did not repent of all their sins and idolatry, idol worship, and so forth, and they didn't ask God how they should carry out this battle with the Philistines. Mm -hmm. They simply went out to fight, in their degraded condition in relationship to God, but they had the idea that this ark would somehow give them the victory again. This was a kind of a superstitious trusting in something God had ordained and had given them without directly trusting in God himself. I would agree with you. This has a direct application to our situation today.
0: You know, and I don't mean to uh, make light of any kind of situation but we you hear stories about people who may be having a hard time sleeping and so they will take their Bible and uh, put it under their pillow something like this Of course do we treasure the Bible but in a sense that turns it into a kind of a superstitious article just like the ark had become here in this situation doesn't it exactly Chris God gave us the
1: Bible but we may not care for God or love God or turn our heart to God or even pray To contact God. Instead, we may trust in something God
0: has given us. This is superstition. The key is that our heart needs to be one with the Lord, and it needs to be the Lord's initiation. And uh, as you pointed out, this was not Jehovah's idea for them at this point in time to get the ark, take it out of the tabernacle, and march into battle with it. This was purely their own initiative. That's right, Chris. Okay, now let's look at our final section today. We're going to jump ahead again because we saw the condition of Eli, we saw the condition of his sons and how degraded and how they misused and even usurped the offerings uh, properly. And the proof of the fact that God used these in a marvelous way in his perfecting of the young man Samuel comes later on in the book. At the end of his priesthood, Samuel says in chapter 12, Here I am, testify against me before jehovah and before his anointed whose ox have i taken or whose donkey have i taken or whom have i defrauded whom have i oppressed or from whose hand have i taken a bribe in order to blind my eyes with it then i will restore it to you and they said you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from anyone's hand So here was one who had been blameless in his service to Jehovah and really had restored the priesthood in a marvelous way. And as we'll see, even had put himself in a position to be used by Jehovah to turn the age and to usher in the kingship and even David. So we end on a good note today, don't we? Marvelous note. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee.
2: Samuel, in his whole life, was pure. At the time he was dying, he declared to the people of Israel that he didn't take anything out of them. Fearing God and behaving among his people for the whole life. He was perfect. In the custody of Eli, God did something very finely to teach, to establish Samuel, to build up a boy to be his Proper priest. And this priest, Megoness, has become number one, the judge of Israel, to judge Israel. Number two, the prophet, to prophesy for God. And number three, he became the one to bring forth the kingship. He got established. Now he established the kingship, and by this kingship, the kingdom of God was brought forth and established on this earth. So, on this earth, God did have a house to dwell, and he did have a kingdom to reign at the kings among the human beings. This was wonderful. This was all together a picture of today's situation. We have to be firstly a Samuel, then secondly a David. Then we will enjoy Christ to such a degree that what we have enjoyed of Christ will become a kingdom. And that is the church.
0: Bob, a number of our listeners might be puzzled at how he concludes here. You know, we have the marvelous story of Samuel and his faithfulness, but the way he ends at the very last, this is our situation today. We need to be a Samuel. We need to be a David to produce the kingdom, and this is the church. How do we find a linkage here to the church?
1: Well, this linkage is through Christ. God's desire here was eventually to bring Christ into the human race. And for this, he needed Samuel to restore the proper situation among God's people and even to bring in David the king because Christ was going to be a direct descendant of David. So for God to have a kingdom, you see, before uh, Samuel came, there was no kingdom. God had no kingdom on the earth. God needed to have a kingdom, and that was brought in through David. In that kingdom, David's descendant Solomon built a temple, which is God's house on this earth. So God had not only a realm in which he could rule over his people, but he had a place in which he could dwell among his people on the earth. And in that kind of a situation, they could enjoy the riches of the good land, and Christ could be born into humanity, and then God's people could enjoy Christ and all his riches— and Christ, of course, is the reality of the good land, and he is the real David. So he is the one whom God wanted to bring in among the human race so that God's people could enjoy him. And as a result, the church would be brought forth. The church is produced by God's people's enjoyment of Christ. When we enjoy Christ, we become the church. This church is the kingdom of God and the house of God mm. to fulfill all the types and figures in the Old Testament concerning God's economy. This is God's goal, to have a kingdom and a house, and today that is the church.
0: And of course, even with David, the Lord revealed this matter to him, and this occupied his heart all his days, even though he directly was not involved in the building of the temple. But his son Solomon, of course, did that. But this was the goal that David was driven by. And we see here in the uh, producing of such a one, Samuel, the Lord gets his priesthood, he gets the prophethood, and he gets the judgeship leading to the kingship, which was all to bring forth God's house, his dwelling place, his kingdom. This is an expanded view, isn't it, of this Old Testament story? It is, and we really need this view. Well, once again, we've been treated to uh, God's economy through the pages of these Old Testament books and uh, through this ministry. We're so grateful to the Lord for the ministry and also for the privilege of being able to bring it to our listeners each day. And we hope you're enjoying the life study of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to contact us to get the printed life studies of both First and 2 Samuel, we'll make it available to you. You call us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY 888-543-3788. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening today.
2: Dear Lord.
0: Do you want to know the deeper truths of the Bible? Wish you could attend a Bible study, but just don't have the time? Well, if you enjoyed this program, then we invite you to visit our website at lsmradio.com. From there, you'll find programs on every book of the Bible and all free of charge. These programs will not only give you a more profound understanding of the Scriptures, but also refresh and revitalize your daily Christian walk From our website, you can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or subscribe to the podcast. Again, all free of charge. Once more, that website, lsmradio.com. Thanks for listening.